Welcome to the Heartbeat for Hire podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Dowd. In my 25 years of sales experience, I've managed some of the most prestigious accounts in the world, negotiated multi-million dollar deals without sacrificing relationships, and built successful sales organizations where folks were knocking down the door to be a part of the rich, fun culture we created. My goal is to help train leaders and sales organizations how to manage and deliver results with empathy, compassion, and kindness. Each week, I'll share strategies you can take with you to invest in your people in a way that redefines the fabric of your sales organization and your company as a whole. I have an arsenal of tips and tricks up my sleeve and have a decorated sales career to leverage. Let's get started. Welcome to this episode of Heartbeat for Hire podcast, and I am so excited to introduce my next guest, J.M. Ryerson, who is my new best friend. I was just on his podcast earlier this week, um, but a super exciting guy and a great, great bio. So let me tell you a little bit about him. Uh, J.M. is an international speaker, mindset, and business coach, host of the Let's Go Win podcast, highly recommend it, and an off- an author of the Amazon bestseller, Let's Go Win, The Keys to Living Your Best Life, and Champion's Daily Playbook. He coaches leaders, entrepreneurs, and teams on peak performance and how to live their best lives. His passion is to help others succeed at work, at home, and in life by offering simple tools that provide a work-life balance. I mean, this is a really phenomenal bio. We are so lucky to have JM today. Welcome, JM. Thank you for having me. And you kindred souls, because you just went to Montana. We did got a chance yes. to put that off air and such good vibes coming into it. Just thinking about my home state. So it's amazing. Oh, it's such a beautiful part of the country. And if you haven't been to Montana, you are missing out. You guys got to check it out. Um, so Jam, will you just tell us a little bit about your story and what brought you to where you are today? Yeah. So uh, Let's Go Win is the fourth company I've had a chance to build. And this one kind of happened haphazardly because when I started, I just wrote the book for my two boys. I have 12 and eight-year-old boys. And excuse me, that's how old they were. They're now 16 and 12. I shouldn't, uh, they would kill me if they heard that. 16 and 12. And I wrote the book for them just so that they didn't skin their knees as many times as I did growing up. And that led to somebody saying, hey, could you coach my son to lose 80 pounds? I was like, yeah, I could do that. So we did that. And then somebody asked, could you help this pro golfer? He'd missed 12 straight cuts. And I was like, yeah. And so we helped him, you know, make four out of the next five cuts. And so that took me down this path, which was podcasting and writing and coaching. And I just, I'm obsessed with performance and people living their best lives. So that's what I'm doing now. Prior to that, I, were, I built companies in uh, financial service world. I had done three companies uh, there that I was a part of building teams and leadership. And it was great. Don't get me wrong. I have many, many fond memories, great people I met along the way, but nothing quite as good as inspiring people to live their best lives, which is what I get to do every single day. I can't think of a better thing to do because I get to be a small part of, you know, helping their journey. And it's just so fulfilling and rewarding. Oh, that's awesome. I, I know how that feels. And I, I love when you see people win. So I can totally appreciate that. You've obviously held a lot of leadership roles. And I would just love your take on what role has culture played in that? And how important has that been for you or your observations? Well, 
as as you and I talked about on my podcast, I'm passionate about culture. It's the most important lesson that I've learned uh, as a leader to make sure to really be aware of, be intentional about. And so the best way I can explain it is my second company, I was standing on stage and there's about 1500 people that I'm speaking to at the company. And we had six core values. Okay. And those core values represented the culture. Now I'm on stage and I remember four out of the six values. Oh no. (laughs) Oh yeah. And so I have to ask people in the crowd, what are the other values? Now, Remember, I'm one of the people that literally sat in a room, went Created through it. who we are, what we stand for, and I can't remember. Uh, now, I was so smart, Lindsay, I decided to add a seventh core value on stage that day. Seven. Uh, and what I learned, uh, I did an informal poll afterwards, and I had asked people, how many of you know what the core values are? Because I clearly forgot. One of the guys that wrote these values in the room, and it taught me a very valuable lesson. If I can't remember it and I sat in that boardroom spending hours developing, how can I expect anyone else to? That uh, next week reduced it down to three and got that back out to the people. A year later, I'm doing the same speech. I remember all three core values, (laughs) the same informal poll. Now it went from very few people that remembered it. I think the two or three human beings that wrote the values uh, to 90% of the crowd remembered it. And so it was this really valuable lesson that A, you need to be intentional about what the culture of your company is. B, you need to be very uh, repetitive in nature of what that is. So everybody knows right. it's at the forefront of their mind. And what happened is my companies were growing at about 15%. The moment we shifted, we went from over 22% year after year and it became easier. So it's it's one of the most important things that I teach today. And I'm so glad I made a fool of myself on stage because it made me realize like, you're asking too much. The brain can't remember six, seven core values or a long mission statement. It can remember three things. And then you really get to be clear on who you are. And what were the three? Fun, love, and drive is what it oh, is. See, those are good to remember. Those are easy to remember. That's good. I could remember those. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, and you know what? It makes everything so easy. You it know, hiring to, you know, if you have to have those tough conversations to it's just everything. And, and and so, yes, it it was easy. It was simple, but it didn't start that way. <laughs> no. So can we break down? Uh, you You hit on one that's one of my favorites, and it's so underestimated, not talked about enough. And that's fun. Uh, what role has fun played for you? For me, it's huge. And and I have to laugh. I have to find the humor and just about everything to keep myself interested and keep others interested. So talk to me about fun. So every company I've been a part of fun is a core value of that, including the one I'm it's on my bracelet. I remind myself courage, fun, transcend uh, for my family values. Uh, courage, fun, love. So fun for me, if, if it's not part of it, I, I don't want any, any part of it. If, if, if it's not ingrained into the culture, into what we're doing, I really don't have time to do it. And the reason I, I think that way is we don't have all that much time on this earth. 
and the time that we do, I don't want to take myself so seriously that I can't laugh at myself. I can't enjoy the company I'm around. And the other thing is it reminds me it's never all that serious. And so it's just, it's, it's in my DNA. I don't like not to have fun. I like to smile, I like to laugh, but what's funny not to totally use that, but what's funny about it is when I get really into work mode, I'm, I'm get serious. My brow gets furrowed and my wife will be like, what are you doing? Relax, have fun. And what's amazing is how much more creative we are, how much more productive we are, how much more we enjoy being around one another. So everything rises with having fun, but it's, it's one of those core values where people are like, Oh, we can't do that. I'm like, you probably want to consider it. So for me, it's, so, it's non-negotiable. I, I totally agree with everything you just said. Can you give me some examples of some things that you've done to infuse fun? Yeah. So one of the things that I almost require is when I, the people come to my home into the most intimate place and they get to see exactly who I am. Now that is just the welcoming. And then it's, we are going to be playing backyard games, whether it's cornhole or Polish horseshoes or a mm-hmm. uh, flip cup. I really don't care, but that's uh, those team activities, whether it's, you know, whitewater rafting or it's uh, playing dodgeball or pickleball or all these various activities are going through my head of all these events. What's amazing is what I learned doing these, these meetings, I used to bring people right into a boardroom. Let's get down to business. And they weren't very efficient because nobody trusted each other or they had resentment built up from things that had happened or whatever, right? There was something in the way. And so before we ever do board meetings now, the night before you will fly in and we will do an activity. And it's not formal. It is literally, we're going to, again, go play pickleball, or we're going to do a trivia night or something to have an icebreaker, quote unquote. But it's just to have fun and allow people to let their guards come down and remember that there's a human aspect here. It's not all about just the numbers, your duties, your roles and responsibilities. So it's, it's shaped the way I do all my meetings uh, moving forward. And I always have to remember, like, we're going to have fun first so that we can actually get some business conducted. Well, you're forming connection and that's what people crave. And, um, I had the, the rare opportunity last night. Um, one of my old teams happened to be in town and one of the managers called me and he was like, Hey, I need a restaurant recommendation. We're in your town. And I'm like, Oh, I got one. And I called in a favor, got him a great he had a table for 20. And my, my buddies who own the restaurant got him in. I was like, I don't know how you did that, but that's great. But I got to go see them. And there was a bunch of people that I used to manage. And what was so fun was not not to overuse the word fun, but it was really enjoyable to listen to their feelings about our time together and how much fun they had and how what a what an important um, imprint that was for all of them and and just the things they remembered. It was really cool. Uh, it was kind of like, wow, this is a cool way to look in the mirror and hear from people I haven't talked to in a really long time. Um, but that permanence was there. Uh, they really, really felt it. It was cool. 
Love so it. I totally, I get that. Um, all right. Talk to me about love because this one is a weird one for business for a lot of people. I mean, you can love your job. You can love your team. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So you said the word connection and it, when it comes to love, this is one of the most important things. If you really want somebody to be influenced, follow you through a brick wall, use every cliche you can think of. If you don't show them love, and I call it encourage, praise, and recognize. Mm-hmm. They're not going to, right? They're not your your um, retention won't be great. Your team dynamic won't be great. And so, love to me does not mean flowers, rainbows, and sunshine. That's not what that means. That means we have a true connection. And love can be both very, very warm. Yeah. It also means when you're when you're needing to have that difficult conversation, if you truly care about that other person, if you have true love for them, you don't hesitate to have that conversation. Right. If you genuinely don't, and I, can I cuss here? I don't know. So yeah, I, go for it, man. Genuinely don't give a shit about the other person. That means you don't, you, you won't have that hard conversation. You won't show the uh, love that, that you're willing to show them. Or it won't land well, right? For sure. I think of it just like my kids, right? I can come down on my kids if need be. And I don't like to, of course, that's not my hope, but at times I need to, so I can really uh, bring home a point. But if they don't know that they, that dad loves them and they can't trust me, it's not going to fall. It'll fall on deaf ears. It, it won't fall well, as you said. So love to me is about having the difficult conversations. Love to me is about letting that other person, I genuinely care about you. I appreciate you. You're seen, you're heard. I, I love it. And this is so, so tracking with everything that I teach. So it makes so much sense to me. Um, talk to me a little bit about what are some of your, your, what you view as the most important character traits of being a leader. Yeah. So the most important one that I learned is truly being uh, vulnerable and authentic. It's actually the first chapter of my book. And it's funny to hear that from a kid from Montana that was taught boys don't cry. Right. So vulnerability didn't exactly get like, Hey, you should be vulnerable. This is like the thing to do. No, that's not what I learned. Um, But what I also learned is when I first started, I thought I had to look a certain way. I had to wear a suit and tie and yeah. up. And, and again, I, I just had this vision of what a leader looks like, sounds like, acted like, and it just didn't resonate with me. And I'm not saying, look, I don't care if you wear a suit and tie. Some people, they're comfortable. They look great. Great. I'm a t-shirt and jeans kind of guy. That's just who I am. And I'm comfortable in that. And the more that I was able to truly be myself, truly be vulnerable, truly show myself, it allowed uh, my team to grow exponentially faster. It also allowed us to gel and perform at such a greater level because it takes zero energy for me to show up as me. It takes zero. It takes so much energy for me to show up as someone Agreed. The way you, you think you're supposed to be. So you put on a mask. You think you have to look that way. So you put on a mask. And the moment I was able to just take all those masks off and I was truly authentic, my world became so much easier. I bet. 
So that's the first one. I, I mean, I can give you more, but that. Oh, keep going. I love it. So that that's number one. The second one is courage. As a leader, you have to have the courage to be vulnerable. You have to have the courage to empower your people, which is one of the most important things I think a leader's job is to empower those around them. And you actually told a story on my podcast about how somebody at uh, one of your superiors have asked you, uh, what's your thoughts? And you said, wait a minute, I'm going to go to my team. And you empowered your team to have this. It's one of those strongest leadership qualities because that truly uh, means that you're secure in who you are, where you're going. And when you empower, when you let everyone else rise up, you're not pushing them down and making it about you, but you're letting everyone else rise up, you watch a team accomplish amazing feats. But that takes courage, right? Super young. And I I see this so often with leaders where if you're an insecure leader, you're terrified to share the spotlight because how will anybody know the work that you did? And what I found is it's the opposite. When you share the spotlight, and you are constantly recognizing your team, you're getting the credit, you're all getting the credit. And and that's a beautiful thing. It also is creating an environment that people wanna be around and they admire and they wanna mimic. Um, So yeah, so you touched on recognition a couple of times. Um, I wanna talk a little bit or hear from you what you think some ways of recognition have worked really well for you and just recognizing others and the, the role of that. Yeah. So this is something I also had to be cognizant of early in my career, because I, I, again, I thought you had to just, you expected them to do the job. And so it's like, all right, you're not going to credit them for doing their job. Yeah. Well, the truth is everyone wants to be recognized. They want to be seen. They want to be heard. They want to know that what they're doing is part of something bigger. It costs zero amount of money and very little time to simply say, Lindsay, hey, by the way, great job on whatever project. Yeah. Great job with your attitude today. Thank you so much for showing up the way you do. And often I do this outside of business. If you walk by and I see, let's say I see a very uh, attractive person that walks by boy or girl, doesn't matter, but let's just say it's a, a female. And I think to myself, wow, they have this dynamic personality. They're beautiful. Now I could keep that to myself because I don't want to sound like a creep, right? I don't want to be that creepy guy. That's like, oh, you, you. Hey, nice shirt. <laughs> yeah. Or I could take the chance and make their day and say, you know what? You made my day better today by your presence by your beauty, by just who you are. Mm. Nothing more than that. It makes them feel better. I'm not saying, hey, can I get your number and go out? My wife wouldn't find that very attractive on top of it. But it's just saying, you know what? I, I recognize that you put forth effort to, to, to look the way you did, to show up with the personality that you did. It takes zero amount of effort, maybe a little courage. Just say, you know what? Great job. That's what I love about you, JM. You're always putting goodness out into the world. And take note, audience. I mean, it costs nothing to make someone's day. It costs nothing to smile. And I know for women, it's a little harder because sometimes when you smile, you're inviting things you don't want. Um, but 
when you are kind to someone and you stick your neck out or it's an employee and you compliment them on the, the words they chose or the way that they phrased something, that costs nothing. But it makes that person's day so fundamentally better. I love that. You know, and I, what's interesting, and I, I'm not a female, obviously, so I don't know. But let's say you do smile as a female. And I understand you maybe have somebody now think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to approach you. But so they do. What if you just said, thank you? I'm not interested, but I, I thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. I, I, my wife get hit on and I'm like, it doesn't bother me. I'm like, high five. Great job, baby. You got it. So <laughs> You still got it, honey. <laughs> oh, man. I, it lights me up. I don't understand that. Maybe I just don't. I think I'm just like, dude, someone else said she, my wife is beautiful, the attractive. They made her day. That's a, that's great. Kudos. That's a great reminder for you too. It's awesome. So it's funny though. We've been conditioned not to like give love and put it out there. And I think in large part because of one or two bad experiences, but by and large, we have great experiences when we send love out there. So I try to do that for the most part. Well, it's a great way to live. So I want to pivot a little bit to mindset. This is something you talk a lot about. And I want to talk about the winning mindset and also limitation of beliefs. What are those two concepts for you? What does it mean? Yeah, so specific to limiting beliefs, I try not to ever use the word hate, but Mm -hmm. I hate, I loathe. I think of the worst thing you can say about limiting beliefs That's how I feel. And the reason I feel that way is so many of our limiting beliefs were just inherited somewhere. We picked it up along the way. Typically, it it comes from people we love the most, our parents, uh, maybe a grandparent, our our friends. We've picked up some limiting belief, which is horseshit to begin with. It's just their insecurities. It's something they probably learned. And so for me, I had my own limiting beliefs, right? Um, It was centered around money. Because for years, my dad, when somebody was driving a nice car, oh, those are the pretty people. I don't know why I didn't want to be a pretty person, but that was a negative thing. Okay. And so the first time I made over like seven figures in a year, you would think you should be on top of the world feeling great. You can do all these great things with money. I felt terrible. I literally had to look in the mirror and I was like, why do I feel so bad? And so I had to process through this. Like these were limiting beliefs that had been passed down about money. Money is just a thing. Money is a thing that you can do great things. You can help other people. You can opportunities, all the great things that anybody that's been successful with money knows, but I didn't know it at the time. So specific to getting rid of those limiting beliefs that my grandfather had given my dad, which I'm sure my great grandfather had given him. At some point, I wanted to stop that cycle and I wanted to look at it differently. So I did. And and so hopefully my boys, when they uh, go about their way, that they have an abundance mindset, that money is just something that you can use to make the world a better place. You can give others opportunity. You can whatever you want, but it's, it's just an object. So why we have any tie to it? Specific to the mindset. Uh, let's go win. It's very intentional. I believe if Lindsay wins, I'm winning because Lindsay, as you said, my new best friend, we're in, we're in each other's circle. And in my opinion, uh, being very clear of who you surround yourself with people either lift you up or they, or they bring you down. 
-hmm. And Lindsay is someone, when she's winning, I'm winning. When I'm winning, Lindsay's winning. And there's no wins or losses. Like I'm going to win. That means Lindsay's going to lose. That's not what my company means. It means, look, you might trip up along the way. You might fail, quote unquote, because I don't know that I believe in failure. I believe in learning. Um, But I know that if you're winning, the people that are surround, I'm surrounded by are winning. I'm going to be winning as well. And so that's why it's not called, you know, jmryerson.com. It's called Let's Go Win, because I believe we all can win if we have that mindset. I love what you just said about failure. You said you don't believe in failure. You believe in learning. And I think that is, I, I talk about honoring failure. It's a similar thing, but giving it its space, taking the lessons, taking the good, keeping that good and not repeating the bad, but giving space for everybody to say that didn't work. Okay. How do we fix it? How do we do better the next time? But I love the way you phrased it. I might have to borrow that one. That was great, Dan. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that was good. Um, so tell, tell me anything else you want to share with the audience of just tips, tricks, things that are in your heart, top of mind. Well, how much time do we have? Because I got a lot to say. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. You know, I'm, I, there's a couple of things that are on top of my mind. One of the simple things that I teach is I believe everything you want is on the other side of fear. Okay. And so there's three R's that I teach when it comes to a fear. The first R is recognize what that fear is. Okay. Just recognize whatever that fear is. I want you to write it down. Mm-hmm. Obviously that's not the second R that's part of the first R recognize oh, yeah. it, write it down. Then I want you to release it. What I mean by release is I want you to burn it. I want you to eat it. I want you to shred it. I just get rid of the thing. Just mutilate the thing, get rid of that fear and then react in ap- absolute opposition of that fear And what you'll find is if you continue to do it again and again, because fears are false evidence appearing real. It's not real. We've created something in our head that is a, it's creating anxiety. So if you do those steps, if you recognize it, you, you release it, and then you react in opposition, what you find is you're able to go accomplish whatever those dreams are. So that's one. It's really important to me. It's one of the most simple exercises I teach. The second thing, and this is something that is really important to me, is show up as you. And I talked about it briefly with taking the masks off, but at some point we wanted to fit in. We wanted to be part of the crowd. And so we start to put these masks on and we start to compromise our values and we start to uh, compromise on our non-negotiables. It's not, it's truly not living I want you to take the mask off. And my best example I can give you is I'm six foot five. Okay. It takes zero time, zero energy, and I'm in complete alignment by being six five. Now, if I said, Lindsay, I'm actually five foot five with enough time. Well, I am. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to be your height. Okay. Lindsay, I'm going to be five foot five with enough time, with enough energy scrunching down getting my back out of complete alignment, I could probably convince you I'm five foot five and be miserable, but why not just be six foot five? It's what God created. I didn't ask to be six, five. I didn't ask to be, it's just who I am. But when I look at what I see people do in business, when they're trying to be five foot five, when they're six, five, it's just, just be who you are. 
You don't have to be something else. Just be you. Let your light shine. And so that's one of the most important things I'm really getting to my audience is I just want you to be you because somewhere along the line, you typically lost it. That five-year-old you that was a dreamer, that was happy, that was fun, that didn't let the world kick you and bring you down. Just be that five-year-old. Let that light shine. It's pretty remarkable what you can accomplish. I love that. And I I think that's what is such a hot conversation right now of being authentic and being yourself. And I talked earlier today on a a different show about um, you are not your job. You are so much more than that. And when the way you show up to people is the, the person that they, they want to, they want to see, they want to know it's not just the job. I mean, no one talks to just a job. It's, it's, it's just more than that. And I love that. I think that's great. These have been such good gems, JM. I have so enjoyed having you here. Tell everybody, how do they find you? How do they get in touch with you? Yeah, thank you. Um, let's go win.com. That has, you know, you can, there's a bunch of blogs. I think 88 blogs or, or articles, excuse me. It's one blog, 88 articles, uh, free, free stuff on there. You can get the books if you're interested in that. Uh, let's go win podcast where you get to hear Miss Lindsay Dowd and she's incredible on that. Um, and let's go win 365. Any social media that, that, you know, let's go in 365 is on there. And here's what I will, I will 100%. I like to interact with human beings, just like you and I are doing. Um, so please reach out. I'd love to hear your thoughts on anything in life. And, and if I can support you in any way to accomplish what you're trying to, I would be happy to, cause that's what gets me out of bed every day. So um, You're awesome. Well, Jam, this has been my pleasure, my privilege. Thank you so much. You've been a tremendous guest and uh, we'll have to do it again soon. Sounds amazing. Thank thanks you. for being on. Okay. Thanks everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Heartbeat for Hire. Thanks for listening to Heartbeat for Hire. If you like what you hear, I'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave a five-star review. To keep the conversation going, you can find me on Insta or at LinkedIn at Lindsay Dowd, H4H, or you can reach me at my website, heartbeatforhire.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.